The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. This morning I'm going to talk about the engine room for miracles. The engine room for miracles. One of the greatest preachers that's ever lived is a guy called Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He was given the nickname the Prince of Preachers. People would come from all over England. Matter of fact, um, during his era, he had the most evangelistic church in all of England. People were getting saved every single week. This particular day, uh, a Bible school student came, Pastor Spurgeon, please share with me what is the secret to the power of this church. So he got the Bible school student, took him down the stairs into the basement of the church. And at the basement of the church, he opened the door to find all these intercessors praying. And he said to him, young man, this is the engine room of our church, the intercessors praying and interceding. And so that term, the engine room, has become quite a well-known term. Maybe we can call our prayer meeting the engine room prayer meeting. Take it to the next level this year. Rather than heart for the house, we can go the engine room for the house. See, and so, so this particular day, D.L. Moody, probably the greatest American evangelist, was visiting England, and someone asked him, did you hear C.H. Spurden preach? And Seal Moody says, yes, I did, but more importantly, I heard him pray. I really believe this, that prayer is the engine room to miracles. And so what I'm going to do today is that I'm going to talk to you about prayer and how to just get a fresh revelation of prayer. Can I just share two scriptures in the Bible that really confront me. They're just two scriptures in James that are confronting. The first one is found in James chapter 4, verse 2, and it says this, you do not have because you do not ask. Just that last bit. You do not have because you do not ask. I find that scripture confronting. Does anybody else find that confronting? Let me tell you why I find it confronting. Because I, th- I sit there and I think, I wonder if there are things that God wanted to give me that I didn't get because I didn't ask. That's what's confronting. Because, you know, we can be asking for things, but, uh, but, 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 but is there something that God wants you to have and the key to you having it is asking but you haven't asked, and therefore you haven't received it. So have you gone through in your heart, in your head, God, what is it that you want me to ask of you? Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. Have you asked God for the nations for your inheritance? And just this whole bunch of things that's available there that, that God says, you know, the reason why you don't have is because you don't ask. That's confronting. The other scripture that's confronting is James chapter 5, verse 16. And again, it's the last part of the verse that says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous. It's not just talking about righteous men, masculine. It's about righteous people. So, so the translators had to use the word man, but it's the righteous 
So you ladies are included in this. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous. That word avails much means it makes tremendous power available. There's tremendous power for miracles released through the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous. Let's talk about that. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous. Let's talk about effective, fervent for a little while. Effective means earnest, heartfelt, and continuous. I've done some word studies. I've gone to the original languages. I've done some word studies. And that effective, effectual, literally means to continue with heartfelt and earnest. So it's not just throwaway lines. That word fervent means passionate, full of emotion. So this is the question that I've got to ask you. Are your prayers just throwaway lines or are they passionate, full of emotion, banging on the very doors of heaven prayers? Because I'm telling you, I hear some prayers that are just so insipid and boring and unemotional. And it's like God doesn't exist. It's just like, well, we just get into the ritual. We just, you know, we just press the button. You might as well write it on a prayer wheel and just give it a spin. Just as one spin of the prayer wheel. Because it's just, it's just boring. But what about heartfelt prayers? What about prayers that come from the heart, that come with passion, that come with emotion? Because when I look in the Bible, I see that God responds to heartfelt, emotional prayers that come from the heart. And I really believe that people that are effective in their prayer life are people that are powerfully emotion and filled with this continuous perseverance because they're passionate about what they're believing for. Amen? Righteous simply means free from guilt. How many of you know that you're not righteous because of what you do? You're righteous because of what he's done. And it's through the blood of Jesus that we become righteous. Everybody say the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And for us to get our innocence, not through our good works, but through his good work, is such a beautiful thing. And you know, I think it's just so important for us to enter the throne of grace, just having been washed in the blood, having been cleansed, having our sins forgiven through the sacrifice of Jesus, so that we are righteous. It is a very powerful thing to stand in the presence of God filled with righteousness as opposed to standing in the presence of God filled with guilt. You know, let me tell you, sometimes I've approached the throne of grace with fear and trepidation because I've done something wrong. Some, and, so, and so I'm feeling guilty. And so how many of you know that there's no power? Your power is, act, is, is actually uh, sucked out of you when you're feeling guilty. But the best way to remove guilt is through repentance. It's through the blood of Jesus. It's just to go into the presence of God and say, God, would you forgive me? And so when you go there, there's a boldness. There's a righteousness upon you. You're not, you're not coming in guilt and in fear and trepidation. You're coming in boldness because you have been made clean by the blood of Jesus. How awesome is that? Woo! So let me read it again. The earnest, heartfelt, continued, passionate, full of emotion prayers 
of those who are free from guilt and walk in innocence makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Come on. Are you getting it? Because that's exactly what it means. Wow. Three important factors in prayer. Let me talk to you about three important factors in prayer. While you're preparing your heart to receive what the three important factors, let me tell you how we pray. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. It's as simple as that. Why do we pray to the Father? Because Jesus told us when you pray, you pray, Our Father who art in heaven. James also tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. And so the Father is the giver of gifts. So you pray to the Father. So when you pray, just say, Father God. What a wonderful thing to say. Everybody say it together, Father God. What a beautiful thing to say, Father God. And you pray in the name that is above every other name. You pray in the name of Jesus. Why? Because at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved. There is no other name that makes demons tremble and shake in their boots but the name of Jesus. If there is a name that opens doors and brings back down barriers and breaks chains, it's the name of Jesus. Come on, everybody say the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. So when we pray, we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. That's pretty simple. So let me talk to you about three important factors in prayer. The first thing I want to talk to you about is entwining. Entwining. Why entwining? There's a scripture that's incredibly well quoted by most people. It's found in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And it says, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. How many of you have heard that scripture quoted many, many times? Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. That word wait, if you do a word study on it in the original language in the Hebrew, literally means those who entwine themselves with the Lord. To entwine yourself to become one. That's what entwining means, is to become one. It's to become one with the Lord. So we entwine our hands. How many of you, how many of you love to see you know, lovers with their hands entwined? It's like they're walking together, hands entwined. Then you see them with their arms around each other. They've become one. How many of you know that there's something that happens when you entwine yourself with God. Something happens when you entwine yourself with another human being. But more importantly, when you entwine yourself with God. And what this scripture talks about is that when you entwine yourself with God, you will renew your strength. That word renew is is a very powerful word in the Hebrew because it's the word for exchange. So when we entwine ourselves with God, an exchange takes place. And what's the exchange? His strength becomes our strength. His ability becomes our ability. His righteousness becomes our righteousness. His power becomes our power. And so when we're saying, oh God, I want your power. God, I want your righteousness. He's the secret. Entwine yourself. Become one with God. 
And again, you know, so many people live such a religious Christianity. Their whole relationship with God is so religious and so legalistic and so dull and boring. But let me tell you, when you find the secret of entwining yourself with God, when you are able to grab hold of Him and He grabs hold of you and your hand becomes entwined in His hand and His arms become entwined with your arms and you become one with Him, an exchange takes place. And let me tell you, miracles are about to happen. Let me tell you the second important factor in prayer, and that is positioning. Entwining is the first factor. The second one is positioning. Prayer is positioning yourself in His presence. Oh, the presence of God. There is nothing more beautiful than the presence of God. I... I look for ways to enter into his presence. And so I find worship music that ushers me into his presence because I've discovered that worship is a way of getting into his presence. Let me tell you a secret. I love the Gaither singers. See, see, Bill and Gloria Gaither are able to get me into the presence, but it's not everybody. It's not Chris Carrero's music. Uh, if anything, Chris Carrero would never listen to that music because it doesn't do it for him. Okay? But you know what? We don't have to be all the same. You know, and so, and so, you know, I'll sit there in the present and I'll start crying and, and there's, there's a connection. And you know what? I'm married to someone that likes the same music as I do. How many of you know that's a great big plus? And Anne and I listen to the music and, and it'll do something. It'll do something with us, to, to us. And, and so, you know what? You've got to find what does it for you. And don't just depend upon church the half hour that you're in the worship service at church, you say, well, well that's, that's, that's it, that's for my week. Maybe there's something wrong with you if that's your week. Huh? How many of you know that when you're in a family like this, we've got to find music that's appealing to the majority of the family, but especially the young people. See, see some of you older people have been walking with God for ages. See, I, I'm considering myself now one of these older people. And you know what? Yeah, I'll come to church. I'll enjoy. I'll enjoy mostly to see the young people getting involved in it. But you know what? For me to get into the presence of God, I've got my own worship time. You know, so you've got to position yourself there. Don't become so dependent upon someone else determining your relationship with God that you haven't found your own. What is the matter with you? We're here to encourage you not to become the be-all and end-all of your relationship with God. Huh? This is just a springboard. Now, having said that, you need to position yourself in the church where you get encouraged. You need to position yourself under great preaching, like at North Shore Christian Center. Great preaching. That's biblical. That comes from the Word of God. 
that, that is not just on one side of the extreme, but well balanced. Why is that? Because that encourages you to keep moving forward. Position yourself with thanksgiving. Oh, let me tell you, I love the fact that when I preached on thanksgiving uh, last year, 40 days of praise, that, that a whole bunch of you got into 40 days of praise. And my, and my hope is that you've actually launched into a lifetime habit of just being thankful, just being grateful, just being grateful and thankful and being one of these people that always looks for the good rather than looking for the bad. That'll position you well. I love this, the, the, the scripture in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And, and you read the whole passage right down to verse 23. It says, having boldness to enter the holiest because of the blood of Jesus. And there's this positioning ourselves in the presence of God through the blood of Jesus. What a wonderful thing it is to position yourself. If you want miracles in your life, you need to position yourself in the presence of the King. And in the presence of the King, there is abundance of gifts and abundance of joy and abundance of everything that you need. Let me tell you the third important factor in prayer, and that's holding on. Holding on. Everybody say holding on. In Luke 18 verse 1, it says, we always ought to pray and not lose heart. There's this holding on aspect to prayer that is frustrating. God answers prayer in three ways. He answers prayer with a yes, with a no, or a not yet. Now, I can handle the yes, especially when it's immediate. How many of you love the fact when God says yes, and here it is? How many of you love that? I can even handle the no. When God says no, I can handle that. I just walk away. But when God says not yet, that is frustrating. How many of you found that is frustrating? Because you say, okay, so when? And his response is not yet. Okay, I want to know the date. And God says, when I'm ready, I'll tell you. And it's like, that is so frustrating. But when I read the Bible, this is what I find. I find that a lot of prayers are answered with not yet. You know, I love the fact that, that uh, in, in the story with Peter, how many of you remember the story with Peter when he walked on the water? He, 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 he failed. He started to fear and uh, he started to sink. And as he started to sink, and how many of you know when you're sinking, it doesn't take long to sink, especially when you're walking on water. He was able to yell out, Jesus, save me. And the Bible says immediately. Oh, I love that word, immediately. Jesus reached out and saved him. How many of you love that? The, the immediate response. Then, then Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is praying, God, I've got this thorn in the flesh. Would you, would, you, would you help me? And God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And three times he prays. I love that about Paul. Is there a, is there a backdoor entry to get the answer to this prayer? Now, I'll try and from another angle. How many of you try to work the angles? Well, hey, you've got, you, you've got a good role model there in the Apostle Paul. And God says, no. He says three times. He writes to the Corinthians church, three times I tried all the angles. And all God said was, my grace is sufficient for you. But he never took away the thorn in the flesh. Well, you're in good company. Sometimes God can say no. And you know what? He's God. He can do whatever he wants to do. But the not yet is the frustrating thing. And so here's the, the, the simple solution for not yet is hold on. That's what it is. And so the whole not yet, and some of you are in the not yet right now, and the answer for you is hold on. 
in, in, uh, in Luke chapter, uh, 50, is, I think it's Luke chapter 11, there's five verses, verses 5 to 10, that talks about, this gives a parable of a man needing some food from his neighbor. And he goes knocking at the door and the neighbor says, sorry, can't do, I'm in bed. It's just frustrating. I don't want to get down. And so the neighbor keeps, but this is an emergency. And the friend says, nah, I'm not interested. And he keeps knocking. He keeps petitioning until the neighbor says, just to get you away. He's three loaves of bread. And so then, then Jesus goes on with this. And, and you need to do the same. Ask. And you will receive your answer. Knock and it'll be open. Seek and you will find. But you know what's missing is the holding on aspect to the scripture. Because when we read it in, in English, it's like you ask once. But when you read it in the original, it basically implies you've got to ask and keep on asking and hold on and don't give up. Because the whole context of this parable is, is when there is not a no from God. Just keep asking. Keep persisting. Even when there is a no, you know, I'll try another angle at least three times to show, to follow Paul's example uh, before I give up on it. But if God doesn't say no, you've got to keep persisting. Come on, keep persisting. There is something powerful about persistence in God. Let me finish this morning by just saying two important ingredients in prayer. I've given you three important factors, which is entwining, positioning, and holding on. When you pray, two important ingredients, and that's faith and humility. When you pray, pray with faith and pray with humility. Praying with faith basically says, God, you're able. God, you can do anything, and I believe that you are able. That's what praying in faith is. And right throughout the scriptures, we see that wherever faith was seen, God just loved it. Great is your faith. Well done. God just loves this faith that says, God, you're able. Humility basically says, God, I'm unable. Faith says, God, you're able. Humility says, God, I'm unable. And there's just something powerfully attractive about admitting, God, I'm unable to God. It says, yes, I know you are. I knew that all along. But to hear you say it, shows humility. So when we pray with faith and humility, there's something powerful that's released. So when you pray, you've got to pray with faith because without faith, you're not going to see the answers. Without faith, you're actually questioning God's ability. But if you don't question God's ability, then you're praying with faith. But just become humble. Just don't make demands of God. He's God. We are. So, so, so faith puts God in his right position. Humility puts us in our right position. And don't be extreme in your humility either. So there's one extreme, which is pride. There's the other extreme where, I'm just a worm. I'm just a nothing. I'm just a stupid idiot. I'm just... That's false humility. That's extreme humility. Why would you say you're a worm when you're a child of God? You know, you position yourself through the blood of Jesus as a child of God. You come humbly. But Lord, as your child, I've been washed. I've been purified. I've been set free by the blood of Jesus. I come into your presence with humility, with open hands, understanding I can't do this, but you're able. There's this humbleness of heart, this faith, but God, you're able. So I petition you out of your... 
in your presence as your child. I'm petitioning here, God, you can do this. Would you do this? Just one touch of your hand, just one word from you, Lord, will turn this thing around. There's humility there and faith connected. When you pray with faith and humility, something powerful happens. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 